Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are back in the book of 2 Samuel. Um, we uh, are combining yesterday's study with today's study, so we won't fall behind on the schedule. Um, we'll be looking at chapters 19, 20, 21, and 22 on the high points of these. This is at the later stages of David's career, um, and we see he's trying to, you know, put the kingdom back together. His household has been divided. The kingdom has been divided all from the sin that, um, you know, that came from his own household. And um, his own son um, has now been killed. Um, And so um, Absalom uh, has now, uh, you know, tried to lead a revolt on his own father, but Absalom is now killed. David is overcome, and we left off last time, chapter 18, after word gets back to David that his son's been killed. My son Absalom, my son Absalom, would I had died instead of you, oh Absalom, my son, my son. I mean, can't you just feel the grief coming through that? Well, that's where we start in chapter 19. And if we had to give this chapter maybe an overview, maybe a topic, it's maybe something like when grief gets out of control or when grief is far more than gratitude in the heart. When grief gets so bad you can't see straight. Haven't we all felt that kind of grief? Haven't we all felt that kind of guilt when we just feel like we don't deserve to be forgiven? We don't deserve anything at all and that God has provided. And we find David, um, when I was growing up, they used to call it poor pitiful Pete when you're just moping around. I remember my mother used to say, You're acting like poor, pitiful Pete. Poor Pete. Nobody wants to be around poor, pitiful Pete. And, um, you know, he's just never going to do anything. And, you know, of course, it gets you thinking 
about somebody else rather than yourself. And of course, nobody wants to be around just a mopey person all the time. But that's what we're like around God. God looks at us and, you know, when he sees we're sad, he comforts us. When we see, when he sees us, when we're so sad after a while, um, it just starts uh, going nowhere. And um, God sometimes has to wake us up and say, You can't have more grief in your heart than joy because look at all the things I've already done for you. So in the proper context, we can still find joy despite the grief. But um, it takes his commander, Joab, to go slap him back into reality. So we'll take some of the high points in chapter 19. It was told Joab, behold, the king is weeping and mourning. For Absalom, the king is grieving for his son, and he's up there in the castle just crying. So then, verse 5, Joab came into the house of the king and said, You have today covered with shame the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and your daughters because... You love those who hate you, and you hate those who love you. Isn't that just a brilliant slap down here? The people who are trying to kill him are the people you love and you're mourning over, and the people you love who are saving you, who are risking their lives, you act like you hate. For you've made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Now therefore, arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants. For I swear by the Lord, if you do not go out, if you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night. And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. I mean, he let him have it. So David goes out, speaks to the people. David's getting ready to, you know, now make a return back to Jerusalem. And um, when he comes back, we see Shimei and Ziba who basically were betraying him. They come out to try to meet him. And um, Shimei fell down before the king. And he said uh, to the king, Let not my lord hold me guilty or remember how your servant did wrong on the day when my lord left Jerusalem. You know, just forgive me. And uh, basically some of David's commanders were going, Let's kill him. And David said, What do I have to do with you? You know, that you should this day be as an adversary to me. You know, you shall not die. The king gave him his oath. So, in other words, he didn't kill him. You know, David was kind of over with all this. And Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, whom David had spared also, he comes up to David 
and uh, said, um, Oh, king, my servant deceived me, you know, because he didn't go out to be with David, but he had told the servant to get a couple of donkeys and he was going to go out to be with David, but instead the servant took the donkeys for himself. So he's telling David that his servant deceived him and uh, David forgives him too. Now, Barzillia, he was an old man who gave David some food and provisions. David wants to bring him back with, with him to Jerusalem, but he, he says, no, let me stay. I'm an old man. I, I want to be, I'm going to be buried by my own people. I don't want to go with you to Jerusalem. So they say their goodbyes. And so then the men of Israel come to him. All these people who were rebelling. And so they're sort of saying, you know, they're sort of fighting for first place now, you know. Why have our brothers, the men of Judah, stolen you away and brought the king and his household over the Jordan and all David's men with him? And they were kind of arguing about who's more important. And the men of Israel answered the men of Judah. We have ten shares in the king. And in David, we also have more than you. Why did you despise us? Were we not the first to speak of bringing back our king? So they're all arguing. David's trying to bring unity back to the nation. But this sin has created this division in his own house. And as the prophet said, you know, there's going to be a division in your household, a sword in your own household. So it never did heal. Even to this day, it's a divided country. It's never been able to, to be united. Only Christ will unite this kingdom. Chapter 20, now there happened to be another guy, this guy named Sheba, and he was, he was described here as a worthless man. And he basically saying, we have no portion in David, and we have no inheritance in the son of Jesse. Every man to his own tent, so Israel. So, so he's just saying, you know, forget David. And so there's people who followed Sheba. The people of Judah followed David. And so now we see um, the king comes up to this guy, Amasa, and he says, I'll give you three days. Go get an army so we can go look for this guy, Sheba, and put his rebellion down. But Amasa couldn't get the troops together. So then David says to Abishai, this is one of his commanders, take this take some of the troops and go out and find him. So Abishai is there and Joab is there and they find um, Amasa. And um, looks like Amasa was uh, betraying them. And so they end up killing Amasa. And uh, so then Joab and Asheba I mean, Abishai pursues Sheba and um, Sheba goes and then he's held up in a city 
and uh, the city now is under siege. So then there's a wise woman that comes out, and she asks to speak to Joab. And she says, basically, we're down in verse 19, You seek to destroy a city that is a mother in Israel. Why will you swallow up the heritage of the Lord? In other words, this woman is equating the city as a mother, and then all the villages around are like her children. And she's sort of equating Joab as as somebody who's going to slaughter the heritage, the mother, and the children. And of course, Joab doesn't want to be that way. And she goes, I tell you what, let me throw this guy's head over the wall to you, the guy that you're looking for, and we'll call it a day. You don't have to come and kill the city. So that that sounded good to Joab. So they cut off his head inside the city, threw it over the city walls. And so Joab blows the trumpet and they leave. They go back to Jerusalem. And there you go. That's chapter 20. Again, David is trying to unite this people. This people has a division, and it will not be reunited, unfortunately. So now you've got more war and division. And that's chapter 21 for you. So, that starts off with famine, and it ends in war. What a lousy thing this is. So, there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. And David sought the face of the Lord, and the Lord said, There's blood guilt on Saul and on his house, because he put the Gibbonites to death. So, the the Lord tells him that this goes back to Saul's sin. So, David goes to the Gibeonites and say, What shall I do for you? I'm trying to end this famine. How shall I make atonement for you? And they say, We want some of the offspring of Saul. Let seven of his sons be given to us that we may hang them before the Lord. In other words, we're going to put seven of his kids to death to avenge this sin. Of course, the pressure's on David. He's trying to end a famine. The king spared Mephibosheth. He didn't give up Mephibosheth. So they put to death these sons, and then Rizpah apparently she is uh, Mephibosheth's mother. She um, spread out these sackcloth. She put sackcloth over the bodies, and didn't let the and didn't allow the birds to come uh, eat the bodies by the day, or the beasts of the field by night. So when David heard what this woman was doing, he goes and he gets the bones, not only of these children, but also the bones of Jonathan and the bones of Saul. And he gives them a proper burial. And then we get down in verse 15, more wars with the Philistines. And David's getting tired. War weary. So he's out in battle, but he has to be kind of saved by Abibashai. And then there was another war. 
And then there's this guy named El-Halan struck down another Goliath, apparently. And then there was another guy who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. He was another giant. And Jonathan, another Jonathan, killed him. So, more wars. And now, we come to chapter 22. This is David's song of deliverance. And this is like this 18th Psalm. The 18th Psalm is used in worship. This wording of the 18th Psalm is used, you know, you can think of it as right out on the battlefield. And some of the translated words are are a little bit more visceral, according to my study Bible. But in any event, as McGee teaches, this is really the 18th Psalm getting um, sort of a preview in this area, in this section. And there are several parts of it that even mirror or harken back to Hannah's original prayer in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. I can't read the whole thing. It's really long. It goes from verse 2 all the way to verse 51. So just a few things that have stuck out to me. I'll read the first few verses here. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge. My shield and the horn of my salvation. My stronghold and my refuge. My Savior. You saved me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And I am saved from my enemies. For the waves of death encompassed me. The torrents of destruction assailed me. The cords of Sheol entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. From his temple, he heard my voice. And my cry came to his ears. I mean, that is a picture of the safety that we have in our Lord and in our Lord Christ. There's no depth that we can sink to that he's not going to be able to come get us. He bowed the heavens and came down. That's verse 10. He rescued from my strong enemy, from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. It's verse 18. Verse 28 kind of goes back to Hannah's prayer, which is chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. You save a humble people, but your eyes are on the Haunty to bring them down. Verse 29 is nice too. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my darkness. This God is my strong refuge, and he has made my way blameless. For who is God? but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This is, these are verses 32 and 33. 
Verse 47, the, the Lord lives and blessed be my rock and exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The rock of my salvation. Wow. That was verse 47. So we'll drop down to the last couple of verses. Um, and this harkens back to Hannah's prayer too. Verses uh, 50 and 51. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to Matali, our co-host in Zambia. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And as always, for me to all of you, keep your hearts centered on Christ on this great spiritual battlefield. We'll see you here next time tomorrow as we continue our study through the book of 2 Samuel. And just FYI, there's only two more chapters in this book, and we finish 2 Samuel. I have a feeling... That McGee is going to take us into first and second kings. That's what I think. So we'll wait and see. So God bless you all. And as always, our prayers go up for sweet Emma and sweet Ching. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Second Samuel beginning at chapter 19, verses 1, all the way through to um, chapter 20, verses 1 through to verse 26. So in our study last time, that was last week, um, we looked at the tender grief of David. So the love he had for his son Absalom, when word was brought forth that David's son had been slain, it was heartbreaking to him and we read his expression of grief that was so deep and that's in verse 33 of second samuel chapter 18 which reads the king was deeply moved and went to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said thus, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, if only I had died in your place, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So there are several reasons for David's grief. In this case of where his son was slain, you know, why he's weeping deeply for Absalom. First, um, firstly, David wasn't actually sure about his son's salvation. So when David, you know, when David's first son with Bathsheba died, and when, you know, David had heard that, you know, his son had died, um, so he washed up, you know, he washed his, 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 his face and... He sat down at a banquet and rejoiced. And, you know, his um, servants were puzzled. You know, he had just lost a son. So he actually made it clear that 
you know, he will go to him someday, to his son someday. And that would be a great day. His son wasn't going to come to him, but he would go to his son. That was going to be a great day when he went, um, when he would actually go to him. So he knew the little one had gone to be with the father. And Dr. Jeeva Magee has pointed out on several occasions, which I've mentioned, you know, when um, an infant dies, they go straight to be with the Lord uh, because they have not yet reached that age of accountability. So they go straight to be with God. So now with Absalom, David is not sure where he has gone to in his death. So he's not sure of his salvation. So another reason why David wept like so for his son is David recognizes that these things are actually happening to him because of the sin he committed. That's the death of Uriah, the murder of Uriah, and the adulterous act with Bathsheba. So God told him that he would never depart in his house strife, and this never actually left his house. So we'll see that from this point, David is, you know, he's a broken man after, you know, the death of his son. And David, you know, it's safe to assume he really, really loved um, his son Absalom above everything else here on earth and um, you know it's also safe to assume he would have wanted Absalom to actually um, be the next heir to the throne okay so verse 1 of chapter 19 reads and Joab was told behold the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom verse 2 so the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people for the people heard it said that day, the king is grieved for his son. So it should have been actually a victorious day because they had slain their enemy. But for David, it was defeat, you know, at that time, um, you know, because he had so much grief and sorrow beyond expression. His son had been slain. Verse 3 goes on to read, and the people stole back into the city that day. As people who were ashamed steal away when they flee in battle. So they just actually left the battlefield after the victory and retreated right back into Jerusalem as if they were the ones who were actually defeated. Verse 4 goes on to read. But the king covered his face and the king cried out with a loud voice, O oh, my son Absalom, O oh, Absalom, my son, my son. So David loved this boy, loved his son Absalom. He was a broken man from this point on. Verse 5 goes on to read, Then Job came into the house of the king and said, Today you have disgraced all your servants, who today have saved your life, the lives of your sons and daughters, the lives of your wives, and the lives of your concubines, in that you love your enemies and hate your friends, for you have declared today that you regard neither princes nor servants. For today I perceive that if Absalom had lived and all of us had died today, then it would have pleased you well. So see, Joab, Joab he is pushing it a little too much. He's being extreme 
But to a point, David would have actually preferred others die than Absalom. And this was evident here. And Joab is rebuking David because of the fact that he actually grieved at the death of Absalom, who had become his enemy and would have killed David if he had actually gotten to him. He wouldn't even have hesitated. Okay, let's drop down to verse 8 and it reads, Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told all the people, saying, There is the king sitting in the gate. So all the people came before the king, for everyone in Israel fled to his tent. So the people actually needed you know, a rallying point now, as you know the man who led the rebellion had been slain. And instead of rejoicing the greatest grief, that David ever expressed here. That's what he's giving out and not rejoicing. So David goes up to the gate to let people know that it will be business as usual and he's back on the throne. And he returns, as he actually returns to Jerusalem. Oh, David actually has returned to Jerusalem. Verse 9 goes on to read. Now all the people were in a dispute throughout all the tribes of Israel, saying, The king saved us from the hand of our enemies he delivered us from the hand of the philistines and now he has fled from the land because of absalom verse 10 but absalom whom we anointed over us has died in battle now therefore why do you say nothing about bringing back the king so here they were those that had actually gone over and supported absalom now um, the point that they're trying to make is what were they going to do? And, you know, the best thing for them to do is to bring the king back. Verse 11 goes on to read. So King David sent to Zadok and Abiathar, the priest, saying, Speak to the elders of Judah, saying, Why are you the last to bring the king back? to his house since the words of all Israel have come to the king to his very house so apparently even the tribe of Judah you know they were actually some defectors then they had been a great you know they had been actually a great defection and many had actually gone over to Absalom and now David is rebuking them for this verse 12 goes on to read and now read through verse 17 and it reads, You are my brethren, you are my bone and my flesh. Why then are you the last to bring back the king and say to Amasa, Are you not my bone and my flesh? God do so to me and more also, if you are not commander of the army before me continually in place of Joab. So he swayed the hearts of all the men of Judah just as the heart of one man so that they sent this word to the king, return you and all your servants. Then the king returned and came to the Jordan, and Judah came to Gilgal to go and meet the king, to escort the king across the Jordan. And Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite, who was from Bahurim hurried and came down with the men of Judah to meet King David. Verse 17, there were a thousand men and 
a thousand men of Benjamin with him and Ziba, the servant of the house of Saul and his 15 sons and his 27 and his 20, 20 servants sorry, with him and they went over to the Jordan before the king. So Shimei, here we see, like in our last study, we he had cursed David when he went when David went out when he was running away from Absalom. Now he wants to be the first to actually welcome him to welcome David back. Verse eighteen goes on to read: Then a ferry boat went across to carry the carry over the king's household, and to not and to do what he thought is good. Now Shimei, the son of Gera, fell down before the king when he had crossed the Jordan. Then he said to the king, Do not let me do do not let my lord impute iniquity to me, or remember what wrong your servant did in the day that the Lord the king left Jerusalem. That my lord the that my lord the king left Jerusalem, that the king should take it to heart. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned, therefore here I am, the first to come today of all the house of Joseph to go down to meet my lord, the king. But Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, answered and said, Shall not Shimei be put to death for this because he cursed the Lord's anointed. And David said, What have I told you? What have I to do with you, you son of Zeruiah, that you should be adversaries to me today? Shall any man be put to death today in Israel? For do I not know that today I am king over Israel? So David, he's a very generous man hot-headed and hot-tempered but he's a very generous man so he can he could forgive and David is saying you know to um David is saying to the sons of to Abishai yeah he's um saying to him why should he pay attention to this fella Shimei, he's king of Israel, and David was satisfied in that position. So he actually wasn't worried about a little fellow as Shimei. He, um, he wasn't petty. And why would he put Shimei to death as he doesn't amount to much compared to David? So, yeah, and we have a lot of Christians today who let just little things, little strifes, just little, little things bother and get to them. And people um, bother and worry us when we ought to actually not to worry. If God is blessing you, nothing else matters. God is on your side and that's what matters. You're serving God. Live above this, you know, this pettiness. Serve the Lord. Verse 23 goes on to read, Therefore the king said to Shimei, You shall not die. And the king swore to him. So the king told Shimea that he wasn't going to punish him. Verse 24, he goes on to read now. Mephibosheth, 
the son of Saul came down to meet the king, and he had not cared for his feet, nor trimmed his mustache, nor washed his clothes from the day the king departed until the day he returned in peace. So Mephibosheth, um, you know, in deep appreciation to David, actually wouldn't join the rebellion. He stayed with David. And during all this time, he fasted and prayed for David. Verse 25 goes on to read. So it was when he had come to Jerusalem to meet the king that the king said to him, Why did you not go with me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant decided, my servant deceived me, for your servant said, I will saddle a donkey for myself that I may ride on it and go to the king because your servant is lame. And he said, and he has slandered your servant to my lord the king, but my lord the king is like the angel of God. Therefore, do not do what is good in your own eyes. Verse 28, for all my father's house um, were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet you set your servant um, among those who eat at your table. Therefore, what right have I still to cry out any more to the king? So... Um, Mephibosheth said if David um, thinks he's been betrayed by him, by Mephibosheth, then David may do as he pleased, as he will, has no rise, Mephibosheth, to ask of any other favor from the king. Verse 29 goes on to read, So the king said to me, Why do you speak any more? Of your matters, I have said, you and Ziber divide the land. Verse 30, then Mephibosheth said to the king, rather let him take it all, inasmuch as my lord the king has come back in peace to his own house. Verse um, 31, and Basilia the Gileadite came down from Roganlem, no, Roglem, and went across the Jordan with the king to escort him across the Jordan. Now Basilia was a good aged man, eight years old, and he had provided the king with supplies while he stayed at Mahanaim for he was a very rich man. So here we have Basilia. He was a patriarch of another nation and had been generous, very generous to David and had given him everything that David needed when he went out of Jerusalem. So David is now inviting him to go with him to the palace. Verse 33 goes on to read. And the king said to Basilia, come across 
come across with me and I will provide you while you are with me in Jerusalem. But Basilia said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king to Jerusalem? So Basilia here we see him deny as he, you know he was advanced in age and he would rather just stay in his hometown. So he had reached the age where those things didn't actually tempt him. The music from the men and the women and the parlors, they didn't tempt him at all. Verse 35 goes on to read, I am today 80 years old. Can I discern between the good and the bad? Can your servants taste what I eat? Or what I drink, can I hear any longer the voices of the singing men and singing women? Why then should um why then should your servant be further burdened to my lord the king? Okay. So here um declined, Basilia declined as he was, you know, advanced in age and would rather just stay at his home. And he's an old man and he would rather just stay at his home, own home. Verse 36 goes on to read, your servant will go a little way across the Jordan with the king. And um, why should the king repay me with such reward? So, you know, Basilia, he didn't want, you know, a reward for anything. He just helped out David um, as he actually had confidence, complete confidence in David. And David is God's man. And this was the motivation for the motivation in helping David. Basilia just wanted to help David because David was God's man. And David was, you know... A generous man but he's but he hadn't been a little more generous with his own son or when Absalom sinned uh, he came back if and, and he came back and if only he had forgiven and received him like the father receives the prodigal son with full open arms and you know party for him then all this rebellion would have probably not have happened and been you know dealt with now we get to chapter 20 in chapter 20 we have a benjamite a benjamite by the name of sheba leads a revolt and joab puts an end to the revolt the first one chapter 20 reads and there happened to be there a rebel whose name is sheba um the son of birch the son of birchry a Benjamite, and he blew a trumpet and said, We ha- have no share in David, nor do we have inheritance, um, nor do no, we have inheritance in the son of Jesse, every man on to his own tents of Israel. So here, Sheba, 
here Shiva is attempting to actually lead. I read it, they didn't seem to get no break or breather. <laughs> Verse 2 goes on to read So every man of Israel deserted David and followed Sheba, the son of Ber, the son of Bertri, but the men of Judah from the Jordan as far as Jerusalem remained loyal to their king. So the people, you know, they were very unpredictable. These people. And today, we're like that. You know, we can't say no because it's in ancient times, we're not civilized and all. Today, it's not any better, even in. Um, so, today, actually, it's not any better, even in this, you know, dawn of civilization. Today, you know, a public figure may say something that people actually don't take kindly to or don't agree with, and just like that, they lose. So, just like that. You know, the popularity goes down the train. That if you can't conduct polls and all, they probably can't even stand in the next election. So it goes to show how fickle the mob is and how fickle all of us are. So God knows this. Um, he actually knows our hearts. And scripture says the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay, verse two reads so every man of israel deserted david and followed sheba the son of Ber- Bichri. now the men of judah from jordan as far as jerusalem remained loyal to their king so all israel actually followed sheba like i said very unpredictable people Verse 3 goes on to read, Now David came to his house at Jerusalem, and the king took the ten women, his concubines, whom he had left to keep the house, and put them in seclusion and supported them, but he did not go in to them. So they were shut up. Um, so they were shut up to the day of their death, living in um living in wind in in widowhood sorry okay so you know these are the ones that Absalom ha- had taken when he actually held the revolution revolt rebellion rather so Joab wants to actually put down this rebellion by Sheba so he was also a brutal man Joab that is he was a the captain of David's army who was bloody and all. Um, he was a bloody man, but he was very loyal to David. Verse 4 goes on to read. I read all the way to verse 6. And the king said to Amasa, Assemble the men of Judah for me within three days and be present here yourself. Verse 5. And so Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than. Uh, um, sorry. So Amasa went to assemble the men of Judah, but he delayed longer than the set time which David had appointed him. And David said to Abishai, Now Sheba, the son of Bertri, will do us more harm than Absalom 
take your Lord's servants and put pursue him least he finds for himself fortified city and escapes us. Okay. So um in other words, Amasa is not moving. And he finds Joab goes after and we actually find Joab goes after him and Joab slew him because he was a traitor. You know, he had been sent to do something and he didn't go. So Job takes after Sheba. Um, so um, Job takes after Sheba and puts down this revolt. So David, um, so David doesn't have, you know, a moment of peace during his reign and his so far and um, and you know David doesn't have a moment of peace and he's not crying out because he knows that the Lord has taken him to the woodshed and you can think oh enough whipping now but David didn't get by with sin and you and I won't get by with sin David did love God and underneath the faith um, that failed was a faith that never failed. This is David, God's man, a man after God's own heart. So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.